0: colleagues. It's Karen Tate and it's Wednesday morning here in California. Uh, So uh, you know that means uh, that it's uh, Voices of the Sacred Feminine Day. Uh, I hope wherever you are, uh, you're doing well. Uh, If you're able to shelter in, I hope uh, you're doing that and uh, being creative to pass the time. And uh, if you do have to go to work, uh, I hope uh, I, I feel bad that you do, um, but please uh, be safe. I think, if anything, uh, we are learning right now, and uh, I've written this on some Facebook posts and also in my um, my recent newsletter, um, you know, we are learning who the really important people are. Uh, in society right now. You know, it's not the the rich and famous, you know, it's not the hedge fund manager, it's not the supermodel, it's not the guy who can shoot the most hoops from the furthest away. Uh, You know, it's the people that are keeping society running. Uh, It's the grocery store clerk who's keeping the shelves stocked. Um, It's the local pharmacy who's uh, staying there Uh, Selling us medicine, Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, all the many people, you know, cleaning uh, public areas, um, uh, sewing masks. Uh, you know, uh, it's especially our nurses, you know, especially our nurses out there uh, uh, and our teachers and, uh, you know, often the people who are overlooked and undervalued and underpaid. Uh, these are the ones that are really important. You know, the people who are delivering our food, the truck drivers uh, who are continuing to stay on the road to uh, keep the grocery stores stocked. Um, You know, these are the people we really need. And uh, maybe when we come out on the other side of this, um, we will remember uh, who were the people that kept society going uh, during this pandemic. Uh, So, you know, some food for thought. Anyway, uh, thank you for tuning in with me today, and uh, I have returning to the show, Amanda Scott. Uh, You might remember her name. A few weeks ago, I had her on the show for a totally different topic. Uh, She's an incredible researcher and writer. Uh, She's also a shaman and an activist. Uh, She was on the show a few weeks ago talking about uh, the real life of Boudicca and Joan of Arc, and i uh, highly recommend you go listen to those shows because uh I think what we have learned about Boudicca and Joan of Arc is uh far from what uh reality is, uh, but uh you know that's that's our educational system, I guess. Uh, but anyway, uh, I'm happy to have Manda returning today. Uh, she's calling in from the U.K., and we certainly appreciate that. Uh, our topic today is uh, conscious evolution, and... Uh, You know, last year uh, Amanda sat on the streets uh, with Extinction Rebellion. Uh, She canvassed for the Labor Party. Uh, She worked her socks off for local uh, resilience networks. And uh, at the start of the year, she launched uh, her own website platform called Accidental Gods, a gateway to conscious evolution. Uh, which uh, I think was a turning point for her uh, toward a more full-time occupation. Uh, today we're going to discuss uh, what conscious evolution actually is and why it's so relevant now. Uh, we'll uh, discover the difference between this and collective intelligence and how it fits in uh, with uh, integral theory of Ken Wilber and others. Now, some of this might be new to you. Uh, some of it's new to me, so um, you know, we'll uh, have her explain all of this. Uh, so I want to say to Amanda Scott, welcome back to Voices of the Sacred Feminine.
1: Hi, it's it's a great pleasure to be back and thank you. Uh, much easier getting in this
0: time. Can, can you hear me? Uh, well, uh, yeah, I can hear you fine. uh okay. and Thank you for calling. Uh, sorry for you know any confusion today with the start time of the show, but I'm glad it all worked out. Um, yeah. yeah, we haven't so, had our, uh, our daylight
1: savings time yet, so so I'm an hour out on all my calculations with the U.S., but yeah, it's fine. And isn't it different? Because you okay. and I had, we planned this several months ago, uh, and we had no idea that the world was going to be where it is. So are you, you're safe at home in California?
0: Uh, Yes, we are. And, you know, I was just thinking that, Amanda, uh, even as recently as our last interview a few weeks ago, Uh, I mean, the world has changed so incredibly. Um, You know, we are sheltered in here. Um, I'm beginning to think uh, this was the plan of the universe a year ago when, um, you know, our lives changed so drastically. Um, My husband fell and had the head injury, and we lost our jobs, and uh, we ended up moving from Venice Beach, California. Uh, We'd have been in the thick of it. It would have been very hard to shelter in place there because people are so Uh, close together and living on top of one another. Uh, So I'm so grateful to be up in the mountains. um, And, uh, you know, we can go for days without seeing a soul. So uh, we're here and we're safe. Uh, But but what about you? What's it like over there in the U.K.? We don't hear very much uh, in the news. Well, we
1: went into lockdown two days ago. So we're only allowed to go to get absolute essentials from the shops. Um, to to eat or um, you know to get to hospital. Basically, a pharmacies and food stores and and kind of animal feed stores are still open. And technically, everywhere else is shut. Although, because like you, we live in quite a rural area, um, we're, we're allowed to have exercise once a day, provided it we keep three meters from anybody else. But people are you know there's pictures on the news tonight of of the tube trains because the government, in its wisdom, has decided to cut the number of trains. So the people who do have to get to work who are in essential industries, are all cramming on the same train. It's like if they had sat down and designed how to make the worst possible set of mistakes in this crisis, this government does seem to be managing to make all of them because this is the government that spent the first 10 days when we knew that the virus was in this country deciding that herd immunity was a better idea, and the the guy who's actually running the country, our equivalent of Steve Bannon, um, is on record, uh, allegedly, having said, um, you know, if a few elderly die, that's okay. Um, And then somebody did the actual arithmetic and realized that the way they were going, it was going to be hundreds of thousands dead, and they realized that probably wasn't going to be a very good look, so they they decided to do stuff. But they're still, it's too little, too late each time. So it's kind of interesting. Well, but again, I'm well. W- I'm very glad we're in the country, and I'm really glad because accidental gods. I spent all of last year. I wasn't writing a book. My, you know, I'm supposed to be writing a book, and it just didn't happen because I had, in my shamanic world, I'm, I'm a shamanic practitioner. I would never say that I was a shaman, um, but but still, I I work. My spiritual path is shamanic. I have a shamanic imperative, and I was being driven. To get this done by the winter solstice of, of 2019, so a you know, quarter of a year ago. And I had no idea why. And my partner, who makes the website and does all the tech stuff, and she was saying, yeah, We're not ready. We, we're just not going to be ready. And all the back end of last year, I was saying, We just have to be. It has to be out by the solstice. And we'd have these bizarre late night conversations. She goes, But why? And I, I don't know, but it just does. And now, you know, we're at the equinox, one quarter cycle of the year on. And it's absolutely obvious why it needed to come out. So a bit like you, it feels as if the gods were driving this. And that's one of the things, because it's quite easy to despair watching. I don't know about you, but the panic buying. People have been having actual physical fights over toilet paper. And you just think, this is not not consciously evolved, people. It's not even close to being consciously evolved. (laughs) And I despair at humanity, but then I think... A lot of my shamanic dreaming students, a lot of my accidental God students now, are reporting things that feel as if the universe is helping us. However we define the universe, it feels as if we're being helped on the way, and it gives me hope that the evolution might be possible when what I'm seeing occasionally in my Twitter feed leaves me in desperate despair, actually.
0: Well, you know, I, I agree with you, actually, um, and I'm not surprised uh, we agree. Um, you know, uh, the last newsletter I put out, uh, it was actually titled uh, The Benefits of Plague and Trump, <laughs> uh, because, uh, you know, we've heard some crazy things about your prime minister. You know, I, sometimes I think maybe he's almost as bad as uh, uh, as Trump, Um, And it's been crazy here. I I mean, we have Republicans actually saying uh, that uh, they don't mind dying to start the economy again. You know, Trump wants to not keep the shelter-in-place thing going because it's hurting business. I want, you know, at at Easter wants people to go back to work. And, you know, he's talking to hedge fund managers and people like that because, you know, they can't stand to lose a buck. Uh, you know, but of course they'll shelter in and it'll be their employees that'll have to, um, you know, go to work and and really make the risks uh, to keep them rich, but um but yeah I, I do i do believe the universe uh, even this pandemic honestly you know with what i said when i opened the show um you know i feel like we're seeing who's really important um and who um you know who, who are just the maniacs uh out there and um i think when this is past us i don't think we're going to forget this quite frankly and i would like to think that um Things will shift, you know. Consciousness will shift, and um, you know we see that. Uh, you know the you know the, the little guy driving the truck, or you know uh, uh, keeping the shelves stocked in the grocery store, you know who are making minimum wage with no benefits. Um, you know will remember how vital they were to our survival, and you know we won't undervalue them and make sure they get paid a living wage and uh, that sort of thing. I mean we're seeing the evils of capitalism I think too Um, I mean there was just an article in the paper today uh, that Trump wants to give some pharmaceutical company by the name of uh, Gilead uh, which is crazy because that's the city in the handmaid's tale um, wants to give Gilead pharmaceuticals um, you know special preference on uh on a coronavirus drug, so you know they 're looking uh-huh. at cashing in um in you know uh, uh, and so that they can be the ones to charge any price uh you know to cure the virus. And I mean, it's it's just insane. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, people will see the evils of capitalism here. You know, they, it won't be um, any doubt in their mind anymore. I mean, I mean, I I, I don't know. Um, and maybe I'm overstating this. Maybe it's wishful thinking. But. Um, the behavior of our so-called leaders uh uh i, I mean at least from you know uh, when i look at trump um i, I mean he's, he 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 we he, he has a daily briefing and he gets up there and he lies every day uh meanwhile it's governors like the new york governor and the california governor um you know even though they're behind the eight ball and and the government squandered uh you know weeks that they could have prepped um, you know, I, I I just feel so glad I'm living in a blue state where the the Democrat mm. you know we have a Democratic governor who's sane. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yeah.
1: yes, yeah. It's very interesting because I think we will get onto conscious evolution in a minute. But I think it would be a criminal catastrophe if we allowed ourselves to sleepwalk back into business as usual as this passes over. But. You know, there's the question of. So when I started Accidental Gods, I, the first podcast I did was outlining the premise, and one of the things that I said was, "You know, we're heading for. We are highly complex system, and the Ilya Prigogine, who was a Nobel Prize-winning physicist, he, did, he got his Nobel Prize for his work on complexity, and he said that any system reaches a point of maximal complexity, after which its timeline. Bifurcates, so there are two options. One is it descends into chaos and extinction, and the other is it emerges and self-organizes into a new system. Which is, and the point is that the new system is utterly unpredictable from the perspective of the old system. If you can predict it, it isn't a new system; it's just an iteration of the old system. Um, and I said. We are heading, we are a very complex system. We are communicating now around the globe with more orders of magnitude more complexity than has ever been seen in the history of consciousness in the entire evolution of this planet. So, billions of years, the level of complexity of the ways that we are intercommunicating. And this was, you know, I recorded this in December. So, that was before the complexity. I don't know about you, but my email has just gone completely crazy. I am being inundated with more connections than i have ever seen so we're at maximum complexity and we are heading either for extinction or emergence into a new system and the things that are likely to push us are hitting climate tipping points hitting ecological tipping points which i think are happening even faster or human-made crises like global war antibiotic existence or a global pandemic and each of these has been predicted, absolutely. I, a friend of mine w- who, whose daughter is a medic in the NHS said they, they war gained a pandemic back in 2016 and discovered that they needed more ventilators. And guess what? It was a it was a right-wing government, so they didn't bother getting more ventilators because they don't like the fact that we have a national health service. Um, and now they're having to pay people to make ventilators very quickly. Um, I also heard that some people war gained a pandemic in your country just after Trump was elected and before he um, disbanded the pandemic unit and by month five they had nationalised the health service. Now obviously it's probably <laughs> that wasn't the people who are currently in charge. But I think the thing that the likes of Trump and the people going, Oh, I don't mind dying don't get is this is three times more infectious than flu and that doesn't sound very much flu. If I get flu and I go out wandering in The general population, I will infect between 1.3 and 1.4 other people. Obviously, there is no such thing as 0.4 of a person, but on average, that's my infection rate. If those 1.3, 1.4 people go on and infect another 1.4 and another 1.4, and you do that 10 times, so 10 orders out, that's 14 people. With this, the infection rate seems to be between 3 and 4. So if we go for the lower edge of that and we go for 3, if I get it, I go out, I infect 3 people, they go out, they infect 9 people, they go out, they infect 27 people, 3 to the power of 10 is 59,000. And the mortality rate is highly variable, and it's anywhere between 5 and 10%. So that's anywhere between 2.5 and and 5,000 people dead because I chose to go out and wander amongst the community. It's it's orders of magnitude more than what we are used to seeing, and I don't think those yeah. numbers are of at the level that we need them.
0: Well, and I don't know if you have crazies there in the UK like we have here, but uh, the religious oh, yeah. right. Um, I mean, there. Uh, I mean, the preachers are telling people to come to church and uh, and pray, and uh, you know, kind of like their pray away the gay thing. Um, you know, yes. it's uh you know, the the, be- the beaches in Florida were open. Um and, and you know, it, I, I don't think they started taking this seriously until some of the senators in Congress uh were quarantined or came down with it, you know. Uh-huh. And um And then you know, suddenly I, it's I, I, I keep thinking yeah, and then suddenly it's real. I mean, that is so typical of Republicans, you know, because they don't they have no empathy until it affects them directly. You know, I mean, we I've seen it over and over and over again. Um, and our president, you know, he's just the uh, biggest uh, poster child for having no empathy, um, you know, or, or morality or, uh, or common sense either, you know. Um, but anyway, um, I, I'm glad we're talking about this today. Uh, yeah, I mean, we didn't know when we booked it how relevant it would be. Uh, but, yeah, let's just um, – you know let's start at the beginning here and um um so your so your website platform is called accidental gods um what is what does that mean um you know what does that you know explain the why do we call it
1: accidental gods yes okay so because we are the generational era so the people alive now the, the boomers the generation x the generation what you call z we would call that the millennials, those of us alive today have, we are the generational era that has given ourselves the power of species level extinction, which has not been, there has never been a species on the planet before that could, in and of itself, wipe out both itself and most of the other living beings. The last time, there have been five mass extinctions and they've all been accidental. They've all been as a result of an external shock. This is this is us. And there's a, a journalist over here called George Monbiot who calls this the first mass extermination because it's deliberate. Um, and so most of us didn't grow up thinking that we were going to... Basically, we have the power of God now. But we didn't imagine that we would have. And we didn't particularly want it. But we have it. So... Um, we were hunting around for a name, I have to say, because I think it was about September, and we'd been planning this since the solstice of 2018, um, and I was up the hill just saying, you know, to I, I do my morning ceremony on the hill at the back of our house, and it's where I, I go up and I do a lot of my kind of connecting with the world insofar as I can, and I was just, we need a name for this, we need a name, um, and Accidental God had been the working title of my last book, which is currently called A Treachery of Spies, it, it, accidental gods, lasted all the way down the line until it hit the marketing department, who said, no, you can't call it that. And so the editors went off, and for the first time, actually, in the history of my, I've published 16 novels, and I think three of them have had the the title that I actually wanted. The working title has continued on to be the final title, and usually it gets to marketing, and we go, no, you can't do that. And then, then we hit, Panic because this is about three weeks before publication. And try to think of a new title, and it's usually crap. crap. And this one actually, a treacherous fine, that, That's rather clever. I was quite impressed with that. So, so I God to Bob, and I was up the hill going, "We need a name. We need a name that encompasses where we are in a way that makes sense." And and what I what I got was, "You've already got a name." No, I don't think we have. Actually, it's not really very good. And then, um, and then I realised that that's what they meant, and and it fitted perfectly because this is this is the moment we have choice and we have agency to be godlike, and if we can move ourselves to through that pegasus portal to a new evolutionary phase, then that will have been a godlike act in terms of how we perceive. You know, we could get. Go down the rabbit hole of what is a god, as opposed to what is the all that is. Um, If anybody's interested in that, I did a really interesting podcast with a lady rabbi who is also the only person she she set up a school for Jewish priestesses um, for the Koinex Institute. So she's the only Jewish high priestess for the last two and a half thousand years, Uh, and she's lovely. And she and I explored the difference between gods and the all that is in quite a lot of depth in that podcast. But um, if we take the words God to be those who can exert powers that transcend the limitations of our existing physical world, then creating conscious evolution will be a godlike act, as will exterminating ourselves and everything else. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, yes, it absolutely does. And um uh the woman you just described, I believe I've interviewed her here on the show. Uh the name is not coming to the fore. Jill, Jill um, do you Hammer. recall?
1: Yes, Rabbi Jill. Say it Jill, Jill again? Hammer. Jill with a J. Okay,
0: Hammer. Ma- yeah. Hammer. Um Maybe so I'm going to have to go back and look at the records, but that sounds very familiar and uh well, it does it makes perfect sense um, uh, you know because we do have so much power in our hands right now, and you know we're kind of at the uh, on the uh, tip of a knife you know which which way do we go uh do we use this power for good? Or do we, uh, you know, or or do we, uh, the people calling the shots uh, just continue uh, their folly and foolishness and, um, you know, not make the right decisions uh, for the long term? And, um, you know, it just feels like everything in this world right now by the people who are in charge are about short-term profits. It's uh, the only thing they seem to care about, or, or power. You know, if it's religion, it's about power over. And um, you know, it's it's really coming to this uh, uh, to this tipping point. So, um, talk a little bit, um, Manda, about this um, this collective intelligence um, that that you've mentioned. Uh, what's the difference between um, you know, I guess what we're doing and in collective intelligence? So I think, I
1: take a little bit of a step back and look at what conscious evolution is because I, I think it's worth contrasting the two. So so up until now, our understanding of evolution has been, those of us who believe that evolution is a thing, has been that um, there are random mutations in DNA which create differences in phenotypes, so differences in the way that we function. Some of those differences in phenotypes are advantageous within the ecological niche that we inhabit and if they are then they they give a selective advantage which is passed to the next generation and provided it kind of stands the stress testing of the ecological niche it becomes a pattern of the species um so it takes a long time so if i'm uh, you know an antelope with quite a long neck and i stretch up and i've got a slightly longer neck and that lets me get to Leaves further up the trees, and that gives me an advantage. You know, many, many, many generations later, I turn into a giraffe, but it's a very slow process. We are now at the point where the, the evolution happens under moments of intense pressure because you need that intense pressure to give the selective advantage to whatever has got that tweak to their DNA. Um, so my thesis, or let's say the thesis of those who are promoting conscious evolution, because I'm, I'm hardly alone in this, is that this is a moment of really very intense pressure, and we were thinking this before the pandemic started, so now it's very, very intense pressure. And this is one of the things, just to take a slight side step, why I truly don't understand why the, the men, mostly as men, and mostly as white men, in power are making such short-term decisions, because it's not like, you know, a hundred years ago you could make short-term decisions and you, know, you create a second world war and it's not very good. Now, you take short-term decisions and we probably have a window of about ten years before we hit climate and ecological tipping points that are actually irreversible for everybody. And, and it, you know, this is not... and just The fact that they've managed to hoard a little bit more in their hedge funds between now and then isn't actually going to cut it. I think that's one of the things we're seeing now, certainly in our shops, is it doesn't matter how much money you've got. If the last roll of toilet paper has gone, you can't buy it. It doesn't matter how much money you've got. It's not worth anything. It's just an idea. We're all planting stuff like Fury because if people don't get out and actually plant stuff this spring, there will be no crops in the autumn and the pandemic will not seem like the worst issue. The worst issue will be there is no food. So... You know, the short-termism of that leaves me gobsmacked. Anyway, um, so conscious evolution requires intense pressure. We are under, sorry, evolution requires intense pressure. We are under extraordinarily intense pressure, and we don't really want it to get any worse. So we don't have time, then, to have that iteration down the generations of DNA to see what we might evolve from this pressure, like not being so stupid as to fight in the shops or, or you know, I'm thinking the pastors who are calling everybody into churches, that's quite Darwinian. You know, it, it, they won't they won't survive long. So so then there won't be more pastors to call people into churches. But we haven't, I think, it's time for that to progress down the generations because we're in a very very tight window. But what I and a lot of others believe is that we are at the point of consciousness, both in our connectivity because if we are functioning as a species as a hyper connected single organism then if each of us is a node in that each of us is much more connected than has ever been the case in the history of consciousness add to that the fact that what we might call psycho technologies the ability to actually shift the way our minds work are more advanced than they have ever been. They will undoubtedly advance further. But they are linked to the advances in our understanding of neuroscience. And that is, we, we know more this year than the sum total of all that has ever been known. By next year, we will again know more than the sum total of everything that has ever been known about neuroscience, about how our brains work. And so that's, that's the definition of exponential growth. So neuroscience and psychotechnology are both in exponential growth, and that gives us access to ways of molding and modeling our consciousness that we have never had before in the history of humanity. And so we have the power, we have the motive, and we have the means to move towards conscious evolution, to consciously choose to evolve our own mind. And then all we have to do is work out how to do it. And so what I did last year, having had the the kind of instruction, I I sat with the fire in the winter solstice of 2018. So two winter solstices, not last one, but the one before. And I was feeling quite smug, because when I sit with the fire, I kind of review the past year and I look at the future year. And I was feeling pretty cool, because I had just, I'd been teaching my shamanic work for nearly 20 years. And i got the first group who'd started with me back in two, early 2000s, had finally gone round the wheel. It had taken a long time, but they'd got there. And nine of them, out of the hundreds that started way back, had finally got round the wheel. I was thinking that was super cool. And I sat with the fire, and basically what came was, nine people in two decades is not so You have to start teaching at scale. And I couldn't. I don't know how, because uh, as for me, shamanic practice is either a very old, very powerful, very intricate system that requires a lot of personal growth to take it on board, or you can learn it in a weekend. And it isn't both. It cannot be both. And if it is the former, which obviously I believe, or I wouldn't waste everybody's time and money teaching it, then. There are safety concerns in teaching, and I will not teach more than 15 to 20 people at one go, and that's not what you call teaching at scale. So I was instructed to teach at scale, and I was given two visions. And one was of me in the States teaching really quite a large number of people, talking from a stage like a kind of TED talk. And the other one was of the globe, the Earth, as seen from space, that kind of blue pearl against the blackness of space and all around it was a very very hyper complex web of light that was either when i first saw it it was the color of moonlight and then i've seen it again the color of sunlight it depends what time of day the vision is coming and at every point where the threads cross over there's a node of consciousness and some of those nodes are humans and most of them aren't and in working with that vision to work out what it meant because in the beginning it was just there and i had I had no idea, I didn't know any of this, I hadn't gone into it at all, but my understanding now, my self-sense, is that we need to get to a point where each of us as individuals has learned how to reconnect with the web of life, with the natural world, with the more than human world, whatever you like to call it, so that we can go up the hill and stand open. There was a Native American phrase called the hollow bone. We need to become the hollow bones who can be those connected parts that can connect. I can connect to the, the hawk, the red kite above the hill. I can connect to the tree. I can connect to the hill itself. I can connect to the river. I can connect to uh, a, a deer in the woods a couple of miles away. That. If I can get to the point where I can make those connections again, because we were once, most humanity evolved in context. We've chosen to step away from it. It's not impossible to get it back. It just takes work. If we can do that, if we can do the internal work where, because if I'm going to ask for help, which is what I think we need to do, then it matters that I hear answers that are not contaminated by my ego or my judgment of myself, or others, or my projections, and heaven knows, shamanic practices loaded with projections, or my fears. So, because I think in the end, what we, the, a lot of the conscious evolution people think that if we just meditate for another thousand hours, or philosophize a bit more deeply and think a little bit more powerfully, or if we implant a nano-chip in our brain, God help us, <coughs> then we'll achieve conscious evolution. It's all about thinking and I really believe that no problem is solved from the mindset that created it. We will not get where we need to go from here. We need we need to make a shift that is a paradigm beyond a paradigm shift. We need to make that emergence from complexity that Prigogine talked about and it has to be That one of the biggest and most obvious examples of a complex system from which emergence occurs on a regular basis is that of a caterpillar that munches its way through a bunch of leaves, gets to the point where it's sat and full, spins its cocoon, and then dissolves. A chrysalis is is a little protective shell around a seed of DNA. There is nothing of the caterpillar left. And then little imaginal cells grow up, and in the beginning they're attacked as being foreign. And, and destroyed, but but more grow and more grow, and they clump together to make little imaginal islands, and eventually the little imaginal islands grow together, and they become a butterfly or a moth, and it emerges from the chrysalis. And if you came from Mars, and and walked up and I handed you a chrysalis, if you had never seen a butterfly and did not know that sequence, I really don't believe that you would predict that coming out of it, if you saw the caterpillar, saw it spin its little cocoon, turn itself into a chrysalis. I don't think a butterfly would be top of your list of of things that you would predict. So, a butterfly is is a emergence from the complex system. We need to emerge, and I think we cannot do that alone. Our whole, the reason we're in, the problem that we're in, is that we keep thinking that we have all the answers, and we don't. But I think that the web of consciousness does. If we can get to the point where we can take our place in these nodes and make the connection and be coherent, Then we can ask for help. We can stand there in the confidence of knowing that we are the right people in the right place at the right time and say, what do you need me to do? What do you need of me in this moment now? And have the flexibility to do it. And so this is the fourth stage in, in what I'm trying to teach is that when we get to that point, when we have practiced enough, when we understand how to hear the answers that come, then we need to let go of everything that we believe to be true which is the, if you want to go into it, donella Meadows' top of her list of leverage points in any system, which I find quite exciting, but that's because of a complexity system. So so if that's not of interest to your listeners, we won't go there. But um, we, need, we do need to take that empty-handed leap into the void. If we can do all of that, then I think we stand a good chance of conscious evolution. And I don't think it takes all of us, but I think it takes a critical mass of us, and I don't know what that critical mass is. Is Gurdjieff said it only takes 200 genuine, genuinely enlightened people to transform the earth, but he might be wrong. I don't know. So I'm, I'm hoping that we'll get you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people to do this, so that so that we get a critical mass. Because it's the energy, as much as anything else, of what we're doing. I'm. I, I'll go on to you ask in a bit. Sorry, I've been talking long time. You want to say something? Go.
0: Well uh well we'll well no, it's 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 been interesting and it's a complex subject so it's you know uh that you know, that's why I let you uh you know, gave you your head to uh go ahead and explain it. Um but I, I guess I wonder though, um well well a couple things. Um it you know Maybe I mean, I was just reading an article about um, uh, the mm-hmm. idea that uh, Saturn is entering Aquarius for two years. Um, so we will have these uh, Aquarian values. You know, we will be entering maybe this age of Aquarius that we've talked about and mm-hmm. we've been waiting for for decades. You know, I wonder if that helps us shift. Uh, because, you know, I, I think help is coming from unexpected sources. You know, there, there's that. You know, there's, uh, you know, Saturn and Aquarius. I actually think the pandemic and people like Trump, um, you know, or helping push our psyches Forward into a more, um, uh, you know, empathetic, nurturing, feminine, if you will, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, way of thinking and being, um, you know, and and it, because we're under such pressure, you know, I mean, I it's it's kind of like change or die, because obviously what has been happening is no longer going to continue to work, you know, indefinitely. Mm-hmm. But I guess I just wonder how do you, you know, what you just described do you believe needs to happen? Um, I, I mean, how does that happen? Um, you, you know, I mean, because you're talking about taking a, a leap of consciousness and um, I, I don't know, maybe the people, are, you know, maybe there are enough people already in place to be able to make that leap. Um, but, you know, maybe the leap is, is not as, as difficult as you're describing. You know, maybe some of us are almost there anyway. Um, I I don't know. How does it happen, I guess, is my question.
1: Well, the only answer is I don't know. I am basically following, you know, where I'm sent by by that, whichever it is that sends stuff. But what I, you know, we've only been running two and a half months. We have a steady stream of people signing up and they I so what I did was I spent the whole of last year that was my question when, when it became apparent that this is what I need to do what you have asked was exactly what I'm asked and, and over the past year with doing the the asking and the and the listening and the trying to be attentive um, and, and I would say this is always uh, a work in progress but at the moment we what I was shown was how to help people to do this that we need to do the connecting to the natural world and the connecting to ourselves needs to happen in parallel. And I was given a very structured way of helping people to do this, and at the moment, it seems to be working. We've got, we've got students now who've been doing this for 11 weeks, um, which isn't very long, but we're seeing extraordinary levels of of connection. And these are ordinary people. Your mothers with three kids or people who, until two days ago, had a full-time job, um, and, and probably even still do because we've got quite a lot of doctors and, and medical personnel in this. Um, so, because you're right, it's it, you can't we can't do it by just thinking it's a nice idea. We we do have to commit to some level of personal work, but it's not huge in the beginning. I spent ages studying behaviour and studying how habits are formed, so that I could write a workbook of okay, we want to build some good habits. We want to build the habit of doing this work once a day, doing some kind of mindful contemplation. How do we build that? Because if you sit down on the 1st of January and decide you're going to meditate for an hour every day by the 1st of February, you won't be doing it anymore. It just doesn't happen. So how can we build it? So I've got, you know, that's what Accidental Gods is. It's a structured way of helping people to do this. Because because my fear is, I, I hear you, that Trump and but the empathy, the level of empathy and connectivity and community that we're seeing around the world is astonishing. But so is the level... I, I, heard, I read just before we came online that Trump's approval ratings are at an all-time high, which leaves me just gobsmacked. But it's the same over here. People think that our prime minister is doing a jolly good job, and the rest of us who you know are capable of, of lucid thought think that it's an utter... Catastrophe, And that's the nicest and kindest word that I can say on live radio. So um, it is possible that we emerge from this into a better world, but only if we all actually make it happen. And for me, that making it happen starts on an energetic level. I've, I've been really putting stuff out, videos and, and audio files and podcasts in the last couple of weeks. Of, okay, guys, so at the moment, look at what's in your heart space. And we have a choice every moment of the day. We either add to the weight of fear and dread and despondency and possible gloom and, oh God, everything's going to horrible places, um, or we choose to generate awe and wonder and gratitude and joy and hope and compassion. And that doesn't mean that we don't feel the fear, but it means that we have a choice of how we feel and we can bring to bear on that the, the neuroscience, the heavy plasticity that what fires together, wires together and our understanding of that and the Heart Math Institute work of how can you change your physiology by choice. We have these tools now that we didn't have even five years ago. You know, this pandemic, if it had happened 10 years ago, You and I would not be having this conversation. Facebook had barely got off the ground. Zoom did not exist. You know, the connectivity that we're seeing now, the ability. I've been on more Zoom calls in the last two weeks than the whole of the rest of my life of really concerned people from politics to spirituality to teaching people how to do exactly what you just asked in Zoom calls. Um... And we can do this now, but it does take people who want to do it and people who prepared to do the work and not sit back and expect that it's just going to happen.
0: Right. Well, and, you know, I would hope my listeners, uh, myself as well, um, I will probably go to your Accidental Gods website and and check that out. Um, uh, I I think, um, uh, I mean, you know, we're all looking for... um, the the payoff you know uh and and uh it, it, it. And, and because obviously uh, the people with the loudest voices, um, you know, I don't think uh, I don't think have the answers. Um, but but let's get uh, a little bit into um, you know Ken Wilber and in integral theory. Um, tell uh, tell listeners how that who who he is, uh, what is integral theory, and how does it fit into what we're talking about today.
1: That's, yeah, because you and I talked about questions that might be interesting a couple of months ago, and I was really interested in Ken Wilber was back then, and now I'm not. Um, okay, so Ken Wilber, he's American. He's um, a philosopher, a, a social philosopher, and he took some ideas that were around but buried quite deep in academic files, and he made them highly popular as integral theory, and integral theory at its base considers that there is a spiral of personal evolution and that it maps on to that every person goes through this spiral but that humanity itself has gone through this spiral from back in Paleolithic times. It starts off, I think, with the magical, um, so, so you know, caves, dwellers, painting on the walls and and assuming that the paintings... Conferred some kind of magical ability. And that. so I'll tell you why I don't off Ken Wilber in a minute. Um, and then we move up and move up, and we get, and he gives everything colors, and it starts off with red. So the magical is red, and then the mythical is amber. And then we get to the modern world, which is modernity, which stepped out of the Enlightenment, where um, we no longer believe, most of us, that God defines what we do and instead we, we rely on science and we have a very structured world, it's very Cartesian where it's and it's complicated rather than complex. So everything is reducible to its lowest common denominator and if you understand the lowest common denominators well enough, you can change everything. It, it, part of the issue with everything from from modern medicine to the economy to the whole of the way that they're structuring this pandemic is that people who live in the modern mindset haven't got their heads around the fact that complexity is different to complicated and that you cannot treat things as if they were little bits of code. You can just pull out the bit of broken code and put in a, a bit that isn't broken. So, uh, And then he goes up to postmodern and then meta-modern, although that's, I think, not in his nomenclature. He calls it something else. Um, and, and as you ascend up this spiral, you become more evolved. Each level takes in all of the ones before it. And then there's a kind of transcendence space, and he gives it the colored teal, um, which, as far as I can tell, maps onto a consciously evolved being. And he, the bit that really I did like, and still like, about Ken Robert's work, is that he's created a kind of quadrant where... There's the I and the we, so the internal and the collective, and it maps with, my brain has just completely switched off, um, internal and external. Okay, I can't remember. Sorry, Kate, my brain has just gone completely mad. Um, But the other thing that's moderately good is that he has a phrase that encompasses what we need to do, which is wake up, grow up, clean up and show up. And the cleanup was added quite recently. In the beginning, it was wake up, grow up, show up. And then he's added cleanups. So it's wake up, grow up, clean up, show up. Um, and when I was investigating Wilbur in the beginning, that was the bit that struck me was, yeah, that's that's useful, provided we agree on what waking up and growing up involves. And where I am beginning quite a lot to diverge, because I look back at the First Nations people, and I don't know that we have evolved in a way that's useful at all from that. Um, so the fact that he has the magical and mythical right down at the bottom of his kind of personal and collective evolutionary tree, I am finding extremely problematic. So one of the things I'm hoping yeah. to do in the podcast, or at least I was before we hit the global pandemic, was to find somebody who really understood this but was prepared to crit- critique it from standing with one foot in, inside and one foot outside. So it it seems that a lot of, when I start talking to people who are into this, it starts to feel almost cultish. They are very into it, or they're very not into it. Gotcha. And I'd like to find balance and, and can see both sides of that. So I think the, Right. Wake up, grow up, clean you know, up, show up is, is really useful and the rest I'm less convinced is useful anymore.
0: Okay. Um well Amanda, believe it or not, um fifty minutes uh have gone by oh, no. and oh, no. um <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, I know. Fifty minutes is, have already gone by and uh I mean I, I, I believe what you've been sharing is, is important and uh and, and you know, multi layered and uh you've given us so much to think about, but uh we're starting to run out of time here. Um so I want to uh you know give you the opportunity to kind of just uh, you know, wrap this up. I mean, um is there anything you haven't said um, about this, that um, you know, that that you think needs to be said for a fuller understanding.
1: No, I, I, okay. So there's one thing. Well, first of all, there's a podcast, and if this interests you at all, please it's dot Life, so it's not. Com or. Co. Uk or any of those. It's. Life, um, and we did end up have. So at the moment, you join for one pound two weeks, and the pound is now worth about 0.5 of a cent, as far as I can tell. We seem to have crashed against the dollar. Um, and, but then there was a fee. But what we've done is, because we discovered if we gave it away, if people hadn't got any kind of investment, they didn't engage. And we, we need people to engage. I am serious about this. I think conscious evolution is possible. I think it can be done. I thought we had a five- or ten-year time frame. Now I think that time frame might be much so if anybody is interested, it isn't going to take huge amounts out of your life. We have quite a lot of people from the States and Canada. Um, I'd love for there to be small local groups developing like there are in the UK. It's just that you guys are much more spread out than we are. Um, so, But the key is, if anybody wants to join and the finance is an issue, you just write to us and we will make it go away by magic. So, so the money was not the point. Other than we would like it at least to pay for itself, and all of our subscriptions to the various bits of tech are all in dollars. And, and as we said, the pound is no longer worth anything against the dollar. But other than that, it was. We just want people to engage. So, if you are interested and you want to join, and the money is a problem, then don't let that be a bar to coming on in. And I would love it if some of your listeners were interested, just because we need. Critical mass of people, and I don't know what that number is, but I genuinely believe that we are getting so much help with this that I think there, whatever it is out there that helps us, feels to me like it's just holding this door open for us to walk through. And it isn't something—it's complicated.
0: No, so I, yeah, I, I, am, I, I know what you mean by that. I mean, and if someone hasn't felt that. Uh, it It might be a little bit hard to understand, but you know I feel like some of us have been being moved around like chess pieces um in in the the last couple years and uh and you know uh, we're in this kind of flow that maybe um we didn't even understand or realize um, uh existed or I I, I don't know I I don't know I don't even have the words for it but um, um, some of us I think have been have definitely been feeling this well um, Amanda I appreciate you offering this direction Uh, I know a lot of people are looking for a direction to go in they want to help uh, be that 100th monkey you know be a part of that morphic Mm. feel that um, you know we've been we've been talking about for so long Uh, you know they want to be uh, an active participant uh, in in their own evolution and the evolution of the planet. and uh, But they just didn't know where to go or how to do it. And, uh, you know, uh, making lemonade of lemons uh, with so many of us sheltered in and trying to figure out how we're going to pass the time, uh, you know, maybe that's also a blessing, uh, you know, gives people an opportunity to look into things like uh, you're suggesting with your accidental God's Uh, dot life right accidental gods dot life website
1: yeah and the podcast is just accidental gods people are interested just have a listen to the podcast and see where I more or less say what I've said here but more coherently and see does it feel like it's useful
0: right Right, right, um, well, um, I guess that about does it uh, for us for now. I, I think really, to understand it more fully or get more information, uh, they really would have to uh, go to accidental gods, but uh, you know, I appreciate you giving us this uh, you know this kind of crash course um, you know because I, I know we're seeing all the crazies out there, but uh, I, I I don't know, I have to believe in my heart that um, uh, you know, there's there's more people that are more fully conscious uh, than the ones we just see on the television. You know, um, you know, I, I have to believe that there's more of us than there are of them, and uh, you know, we're just too busy <laughs> maybe doing maybe doing more productive things than. Um, um, you know going to church during a pandemic and spreading the disease you know um well all right Amanda, um i i appreciate you um you know you taking the time to be with the uh, listeners again and um wow i mean you're i i feel like you're one of the ones out there doing some incredible work to try to help us uh you know evolve as human beings you know uh even though we don't really know what that looks like uh exactly yet but um you know hopefully hopefully we will all find uh, we will all find out <laughs>
1: i hope so yes yes thank you so much for giving me the space uh, and the time and I, I hope you all stay safe over there
0: yes uh exactly uh the same for you and um you know keep in touch and uh, you may actually hear from me i do want to look a little bit more into this uh, myself uh, because I do have the time now too, and uh, I've been—I've figu- been trying to figure out, um, you know, how to put my energy and, you know, to the best possible use. And uh, this is definitely something I'm going to consider as well. Um, so, uh, thank you very much, Amanda. Let's keep in touch. And uh, if sure. anything comes up that you feel like we need to talk about, uh, just pop me an email, and uh, we'll have another chat. Okay? Yes. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Uh, Same to you. Um, And listeners, before I go for now, um, I just want to play for you something from a review of Joe Carson's book, uh, Celebrate Wildness. Please stay tuned.
2: This is from Jonathan Nightshade, a traditional craft practitioner and researcher, writing about Joe Carson's book, Celebrate Wildness, Magic, Mirth, and Love on the Area Path. I love this book, how special this work is, and how appreciated. As someone who was young in the 1970s and through the years only found snippets of information on Ferifaria, one of the first modern pagan paths, this book comes as an artistic revelation of the core practices of the way of the Goddess and Gods reborn for the next age of the Divine Maiden. She has clearly introduced the historical background Philosophy and Ritual Practices of the Joyous Wilderness Mysteries of the Fairy Faith, illuminated by the marvelous pagan art of Farah founder, Fred Adams. I was very pleased that the high-quality production of this oversized volume makes it a collectible work of art, as well as a testament to the visionary philosophy of Fred Adams. I feel blessed that I received a copy. I will treasure it and look forward to the next book for more of the deep philosophy and ritual practice of Ferraferia.
1: Celebrate Wildness is a dense, art book-quality hardcover book. You can get it for just $45 from the Ferraferia website at ferraferia.org. That's F-E-R-A-F-E-R-I-A dot org.
0: So just to clarify, Joe Carson's lovely book, Celebrate Wildness, is available only at f e r a f e r i a F-E-R-A, F-E-R-I-A.org. Um, and, of course, you know, we were just talking about... Um, you know uh, Amanda Scott's uh, Accidental Gods website um, while we all have time uh, I would encourage you to go there look at that see if it resonates with you uh, also there are other options out there uh, if you are looking for something to pass the time to be creative uh, if you go to zoom.com uh, they are offering classes for free on how to use zoom um, just go to zoom.com there are actually a lot of free classes there uh, which help us um, maybe become um, better versed in the technology so that we can uh, all stay connected especially during this uh, sheltering in time um and also there's uh, the Noetic Institute uh, is offering a lot of uh, very valuable and uh, free classes. I know they had uh, one yesterday on harvesting wisdom. Uh, there's one coming up Friday on uh, health and well-being uh, so please go to the noeticsciences.com and look at all they have there uh, that you can tune into online and uh, they're absolutely free. Uh, uh, a friend of mine was also telling me about the great courses uh, that are available. Now, this might cost about $5, I think, uh, 5 or $8, and I'm not absolutely sure about that. It could even be free. Uh, but these wonderful college-level classes uh, are available. Um, on great courses, and um, I know one way you can get them, get access to them, uh, is if you're an Amazon Prime uh, member. Uh, so you might want to look into that. As, as a matter of fact, uh, it came to my attention, I mean, many of you may already know about it, but it came to my attention just in the last few days uh, when a friend of mine was talking to me about this um, uh, 20 part class i believe uh she might have said from great courses uh she took on uh the bubonic plague the, the black plague and um you might think oh god that was such a morbid thing to be talking about during a pandemic but actually uh what came out of that conversation are the very many benefits uh that uh, that were a result of the world going through the black plague um I'll try to remember uh, I mean some of them were people got healthier uh, there was an end to feudalism uh, there was this um, resurgent of um, of freedom of thought um, there were, humanism came out of it um, I'm trying to think of, of all the other things, but uh, the point is that uh, with something as catastrophic as the Black Plague, uh, it really pushed humanity forward. It advanced uh, humanity forward, and um, and that was part of my last newsletter. Uh, you know, the kind of posing the question: Will this uh, pandemic do the same thing for us? Uh, I mean, we can't vision. As Manda said, uh, you know, we can't always vision what's on the other side of things, uh, but some of the things we speculated about was uh, certainly after this, uh, more people will have to value science. Uh, I mean, come on. Um, You know, we talked about the fact that the people who had been marginalized and undervalued, we are seeing every day how much we rely on them. And um, will our society uh, then reward them, uh, you know, from the standpoint of, um, you know, will they have to continue to be a gig economy with no benefits? Uh, uh, You know, can't we um, realize that they deserve better than minimum wage and no benefits uh, because we did rely on them so much during this pandemic and we need to have an adjustment of that kind on the other end. Um, You know, uh, why does the hedge fund manager or the supermodel or the basketball player or the football player make these uh, obscene amounts of money when they really contribute very little to society when you think about it? You know, when the teacher or the nurse or the truck driver Um, You know, or or the clerk that's, uh, you know, you couldn't buy your groceries without them there, uh, stocking the shelves and, you know, those sorts of things. You know, the people cooking the food, you know, for delivery. You know, these people who... um, You know, we're low on the totem pole, so to speak, Um, you know, waitresses, uh, you know, working for tips, uh, you know, this kind of thing. You know, without these people right now, you know, risking their lives, staying out there, keeping society running, uh, think how much worse this would all be. You know, it's not the hedge fund manager we need or the supermodel or the basketball player or the football player. You know, they're just diversions uh you know they you know it it's the people you know picking the food. Uh, you know, that that we need to, uh, you know, to feed ourselves. Um, I think you get it. I I don't need to keep uh, belaboring the point. But, uh, you know, maybe this pandemic will teach us that, uh, you know, this idea of globalization has not been the best possible thing. You know, we've lost all of our manufacturing here in the United States, and uh, it makes it very hard for us to ramp up and create anything for ourselves. Uh, you know, we've lost our unions. Um, so I, I I, don't know. I think on the other side of this, we're going to be rethinking our values. You know, we're going to have to uh, shift into something uh, that looks totally different from uh, the way we're living right now because we are seeing very clearly um, where we're lacking, who we need, and, uh, you know, what we truly, I think, uh, need to value. So anyway, um, If you want to read my article, um, I do have it posted on Facebook. Uh, You can always email me at karentate108 at yahoo.com. I will send you a link. Uh, Or better yet, go to my website, karentate.net, and from karentate.net you can – Connect to the radio show here and uh, find the show page to click the follow button. Uh, you can also sign up for the newsletter and read some of these past articles. Uh, my article before this one about the benefits of plague and Trump uh, was, uh, it posed the question uh, Are your shackles showing? Um, you know, a little edgy, but uh, you know, I'm really not one to sugarcoat things. So anyway, um, I want to thank you all for tuning in. Uh, I appreciate your email saying that uh, the show has been keeping you sane uh, during these crazy days. And uh, next Wednesday, April Fool's Day, yes, next Wednesday is April 1st, uh, I will have Monette Chilson with me, and um, we're going to be talking about reclaiming Lilith, uh, reclaiming ourselves, how a lost archetype of feminine power can return us to wholeness. Uh, so that uh, that is next week, and I will have a show every Wednesday uh, in April, and uh, on April tenth uh, is my special show um, where I bring you another chapter uh, from uh, my book Goddess Calling: uh, Inspirational Messages and Meditations of Sacred Feminine Liberation Theology, uh, so that will be April tenth. And there will be a meditation that uh, follows that as well. So uh, please uh, stay safe. Stay sheltered in. Um, Please don't listen to the news too much. It will drive you crazy. Uh, Please try to find creative outlets and uh, take advantage of this downtime. Think of it as a self-imposed retreat to do all of those things that you didn't have time to do before. All right, then. Uh, thank you, listeners. Uh, I appreciate you, and you are the guests in my tank. Uh, and until next Wednesday, goodbye for now.